Hello, and welcome to Positive Vibes from the Valley. I'm your host, Ryan. Today, joining me is Brian Barber. We are going to be talking about the eight dimensions of wellness, and we are going to be talking specifically about the intellectual dimension of wellness. So thanks for joining us today, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Well, hey, we're definitely really glad to have you. So just just really quick, um, just to give kind of an idea of what intellectual wellness is. So the textbook definition, uh, although, Brian, you'll probably have a little more to add to this, uh, that, that SAMHSA puts out is intellectual wellness, recognizing creative abilities and finding ways to expand knowledge and skills, which is a very textbook way of putting that. But before we delve into that, Brian, I'd like to talk about you a little bit, actually. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I know you're a local educator. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Um, first off, where you teach, how long you've been a teacher, um, and take it from there. All right. Well, um, I was born and raised in Front Royal, and I come from a long line of educators. Father was a teacher. Mother's a teacher. My mother-in-law's a teacher. Aunt, uncles, cousins have been teachers and educators going back for generations. Um, even in Warren County, one of the elementary schools, Hilda J. Barber, is named in honor of one of my relatives. Um, as far as getting into education, I'll admit that was not the plan. When I went to college, my goal was to enter the Foreign Service, maybe work at the State Department, travel. And then when I was in college, one of the things that I started to do, earn some extra money, substitute teach. And mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. And then I kept doing it more and more each, you know, when I had a break or when you ended your summer, you know, the year terms, college ended in May. And by my senior year, I decided to myself, this is really what I want to do. And so I entered teaching and I started teaching in Fauquier County, actually the county where I went to school in, because even though I was born in Front Royal and grew up in Front Royal, both my parents worked in Fauquier County. So I ended up going there so we would all be on the same, if you will, schedule. And I taught at Cedarley Middle School in Bilton, Virginia for three years. Then I decided I wanted a change. And so I decided to give private a try. And then I ended up at Randolph-Macon Academy in Front Royal. And I started teaching there in 2007 and was there until last year. And while at RMA, I taught government, I taught AP U.S. government, British history, various subjects over the years, and it was a pleasure to work there. The students coming from all around the world, meeting a lot of great people. It was amazing. But I also decided after a while that I wanted to change and something different. And so now I'm working with Frederick County Public Schools, and I'm teaching seventh grade U.S. history at James Wood Middle School. So it's wonderful. It's been great with everything going on. Um, the pandemic COVID. I've truly enjoyed working here with the students, the administration. I'll be honest, I'm very happy working here in Frederick County and teaching seventh graders. That's fantastic. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of experience too. It's interesting, Brian, to go from, you know, thinking in college uh, of working in the foreign service and then going on to teach. And interestingly enough, you know, teaching government, teaching history, things along those lines. So good for you. Way to turn you know, your passion into a way to teach others as well. I think that's really incredible Good for you. Well, sounds like you're kind of the expert here. So when we're talking about intellectual wellness, um, you know, 
as a teacher, how important do you think intellectual wellness is to our day-to-day lives? It's extremely important to our day-to-day lives because if you think about it, many of us have probably heard the phrase, a global village. We truly are living in a global village these days in terms of communication, material going in and out. And we are, I hate to use the term, but we're bombarded with a lot of material, a lot of information from various sources. And one of the things that I feel that's essential for all of us, regardless where you live, income background, whoever you may be, is to have the ability, to have the intellectual awareness to decipher this information. Because we're having to make choices, we're having to make decisions that truly can impact our day-to-day lives and our lives in the years to come. So it's very important that we stay aware that we figure out ways to how to decipher, to learn, to educate about ourselves and about others and the things that are going on around us. I agree 100% with you there, Brian. And I think something we talk about a lot on this podcast, so with the eight different dimensions of wellness, we try to look at a way to fit those all together cohesively and kind of achieve a balance. And we talk about, in a broad sense, regulating all eight of those uh, dimensions. But when we talk about regulating intellectual wellness we already talked about why it's so important how do we how do we do those things how do we regulate intellectual wellness well i would say when it comes to regulated i would say the first thing is as a teacher understand that we all learn material differently um one of the things that i didn't like in school when i was a student especially for example in math class there's only one way to do it. No, there may be more than one way to do it. There may be more than one way to learn. And so when we look at intellectual wellness and we look at how we actually do it, there are many different ways in which we can do it, whether it's talking, whether it's listening, whether it's reading, there are various tools and methods we can use so that we can sharpen, if you will, those senses. That's a really great point. And I think it's interesting And one of the things I love so much is your perspective as a teacher. And I think an an interesting thing we need to think about, especially today, is our youth, right? And being a teacher, working with the youth, obviously, you clearly have some experience in different areas. How do we cultivate that desire to be healthy in the dimension of intellectual wellness? Because just speaking from, you know, personal experience, I remember when I was younger, you know, intellectual wellness wasn't something maybe that was at the forefront of my mind. And it was only later on in life that I discovered the intrinsic motivation for, for learning and that, that love of learning that was really fostered in me. So how do we do uh, a better job or how do we begin to have that discussion about cultivating that desire to be healthy in that dimension? Well, I think the first step with that, especially dealing with youth is ensuring that we're teaching Yes, the material that the state or the Commonwealth or that comes down from the division, that material is important. But I firmly believe that before we get into all of those items or material, we need to worry or actually make sure we have ensured the social and emotional well-being of the students. They need to feel that they are in an extremely safe place and they trust the teachers and the administrators and the paraprofessionals that work in the school with them. Are the students' needs being met in those areas? Because if those areas are not being met, then I can stand on my head in front of the class and it's not going to get into that student. If Johnny, for lack of better words, has not eaten within the last 13 hours, 
John is not really going to pay attention to what Mr. Barber has to say in class. If there's an issue going on at home, probably heard the bell. <laughs> Sorry about that. You know, those are things that you need to take care of first. Once you have that part done, and then when you're in the classroom, it's finding a way that within your subject matter, proving to all of the students that this material, you know, it may be history, it may be something that's happened several hundred years ago, but here's what we can learn from it. History repeats itself. All of these curriculums, in a way, interlock. They connect with each other. And showing these students that if you want to be an auto mechanic, you want to be an engineer, you want to be a teacher, you want to be a doctor, all of these things that you're learning are going to help you with that because they're all connected. You need to know from your past if you want to do something else. And with that connection, making sure the students understand that there is a connection, you then make them understand that when they talk, that when they give an answer, that there's different views, that there's different ways to look at it, there's different ways to appreciate it and understand it, and that you do not diminish the students or their individual creativity when discussing things. You have various ways that a student can say that they've learned something. Um, I'm a big fan of, for example, you may not have heard his name is Howard Gardner. Howard Gardner in the 1980s wrote a series of things on multiple intelligences and talking about the various ways that people learn, understand information, whether it's aesthetic, whether it's musical, all these different ways. And I think with the youth, we need to embrace that. I've always embraced that in my teaching so that my students have that curiosity in whichever facet it is that will help them learn the material and want to delve more into it. Because if I just do it the one way that may seem comfortable for me, that may not be the one way that's comfortable for the other students. So you have to recognize that each student is going to have, if you will, their own individual education plan. And you need to work with them to foster that and help them to realize that your way of learning to get the material is good. And if this is what's going to create that desire to want to learn more by using that method, that is excellent because at the end of the day as a teacher, my goal is to see, does this student have a passion for learning? Can the student retain the information? And can the student take what I have done and build on it in subsequent years? Regardless of the way that they use to take the information, learn it and assess it. Uh, and that's really incredible. And it's very nice you know, to see and, and hear you thinking about how to meet people at the individual level. Because I think that's one of the struggles sometimes when we try to apply, apply a broad uh, fix to a specific problem that that each thing you know can be different. Um, speaking of kind of the youth and, and how they've changed and how this year has changed, um, I was trying to gauge your thoughts on meeting the youth where they are. Um, and I know you mentioned about trying to you know personalize things so you can ensure that their learning styles are being met. But with the pandemic, the changes in technology, you know, outside of that, how, how do you try to meet the youth where they are? The first thing that I said to all my students at the very beginning of the year, because for me, I was changing schools, leaving randolph Macon Academy, coming to Wilmerford County Public School. Many of these students had not been in the school building since March. So if you think about it, you have March, April, May, June, then you have the summer, and then they're coming back to school in September. So the challenge for me was, okay, 
how am I not only as a new teacher, a seasoned teacher, but a new teacher here in this building, these kids do not know, how am I going to connect with them? How am I going to reach them so that they understand what's expected of them? Because they're scared. I'm scared. We're, we're all kind of scared because it was a brand new beginning. And there was nothing in the history right. for this. And so I thought about what to say, looked at all these different things, and I had like a little script all set. And then one day my wife said, Brian, throw the script away <laughs> and just speak from the heart. Okay. And I thought about it and I was like, you're absolutely right. I knew what I wanted to say, but I was trying to find the right words. And when the students came in on the very first day, I basically told them, we're all in this together. I understand that you're nervous. We all are. I understand that last year ended in a way that no one would have expected or even have predicted when the school year started. It's a clean slate. We're gonna start fresh. We're gonna start with a new curriculum. You're starting with new teachers. It doesn't matter how last year ended or what happened. We're starting day one. And just know for me, we're starting fresh. If you have a concern, you have a question, and this goes back to that social, social, emotional well-being part. I want you, if you have an issue, you come to me. You go to a guidance counselor. You go to a teacher. You go comfortable. You talk to your parents. You need to be able to get out any frustration or issue that you had, so that you can come into this classroom focused and ready to learn. And my, and I, and other of my coworkers, by basically using that approach with the students, it has been extremely successful it truly has been because we have been in person since day one yes we have a virtual option but we also have a hybrid option and our students are doing their work they're doing their assignments they're coming to class they are participating they're fully engaged and they understand and i think the reason for that is because from day one we basically assured them that we're not here in a you know dictatorial militaristic fashion we're here to educate you, but we're also here to work with you and help you achieve and to learn and to not degrade, to not manipulate, none of those things. And I really think that helped. And with my students as a whole, when I look at my grade book and I see A's and B's and things along those lines, not just because I'm giving grades, they have to earn it, they do. But I think that is a reason why, because they have felt comfortable and from day one, that's the type of environment I've established and all other teachers I know in this building have established and it's been extremely successful. Well, that's fantastic. And it's funny, there's a hard kind of line of balance there between, uh, you know, having the script with your, your positivity all ready to go and then being completely honest and saying what you said, Hey, we're, we're all here together. We're all nervous. We're all scared. And I think a lot of people have felt that way and it's easy, you know, when you're young or in general to, to feel isolated and to maybe even feel isolated in your own mindset. And when you come into a new environment, I think feeling that comfort and that reassurance of I'm not the only one who's nervous. I'm not the only one here who's scared. Even the teacher, you know, is expressing honesty and vulnerability. And, and like you said, I think that really establishes that, that environment of safety and security, which allows all other good things to flourish and grow. Um, now I do have to put you a little bit on the spot here, Brian, because so we talk a lot about the youth and how they regulate their intellectual wellness. 
But for you, okay, and I, I, I've used this example several times on the show, but I always like to think of myself as a glass of water, let's just say, right? And same with you. And you pour a little bit out and you give a little bit out. And at the end of the day, so how do you prevent that cup from being completely empty and saying, hey, I'm not curious about anything. I'm going home, locking the door and, and closing the window. What, what do you do to regulate your own intellectual wellness, Brian? Well, I can definitely say that if I went home and shut the door and did all that, my wife and my two little boys that aren't even three years old would definitely have a problem with that. And my wife would <laughs> tell me, better get out behind that door. I've been with these boys all day. Um, so <laughs> that, would, that would definitely be a nice you know, holiday. But yeah, not happening in my life, not at happened. least 18 years. Uh, but <laughs> in all seriousness, when it comes to my own intellectual awareness, there are a few things that I do. First, with a few of my coworkers, and I even had this at RMA and even when I was in Falker County Public Schools, just talking and discussing current events, discussing, debating, not emphasis on the word debating, but just kind of like appreciating different points of view and just saying, oh my goodness, did you hear about this? Did you talk about this? Those different things keep you sharp because it keeps you engaged with current events. Another thing that I like to do just for, you know, my own little intellectual, just if you will, break is just doing simple things like some crossword puzzles, things along those lines, some basic reading, you know, you items know. like that. That also helps me. And I also read journals. So being an educator with education always changing. You know, there are several things that I read, the Virginia Journal of Education, Educational Leadership. I'm a Rotarian, the Rotary Magazine, all those different things I will read and look at to help me stay focused. But though I will read all those different things, I will talk to different people. The other thing that I also have to find is just some me time because I need to find some time just to relax. I love my children. I love my wife, I love my family, and I love my job. But sometimes I just need five minutes or just 10 minutes. Now, what might that mean? That might mean I'm listening to um, Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> at the highest you know, level I can get the speaker to play. It may mean listening to some classical music. It may just mean just taking a quick walk because I need to recharge my battery so I'm not completely, shall we say, de-energized. So I fill my cup up, if you will, part of it with information. But the other part of it is that if I don't rest and recharge my batteries from time to time, the glass will break. <laughs> and that's not good for anybody, especially me. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's interesting that you obviously have to make sure, you know, like you were saying, the, the parallels between you and your students, right? You have to make sure your needs are being met before you're ready to to go teach or, or learn as well. So that's an, that's an interesting parallel there. And, and good for you, you know, being able to recognize and being aware of what you need to do for yourself to ensure that you're, you're at your best self. And yeah. I'm and sure thing that I would also add that any student that's ever had my class, especially in the morning knows, that um, Mr. Barber also to function must have coffee. Um, <laughs> I had one group of students one year, and this is funny, there were seventh graders. This is when I was in Fauquier County. This was my second year teaching and they came in and they were just kind of like, oh, we smell coffee. And I'm like, you smell coffee? And like, yeah, we heard that if we don't smell coffee in Mr. Barber's room in the morning, we just be quiet. We keep our eyes down. We don't really make <laughs> contact, but if there's coffee, 
Barbara's okay. Um, <laughs> so coffee definitely is also another vital part to me getting started in the morning. <laughs> well, hey, no, I, I totally understand that. I think coffee is a, is a central start for the day for, for most of us out here. <laughs> That's funny. I, well, Brian, I got to tell you, um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was really great getting your insights. Um, you know, just to kind of recap a little bit about intellectual wellness, um, you know, we're talking about fostering that love for learning, getting that kind of uh, affirmation and feelings that your creativity is embraced and it's encouraged. And then I think the, the portion that the textbook definitely misses out on is creating that safe atmosphere, that, that feeling of security to ensure that learning can take place. And Brian, I thought you did a fantastic job explaining how that relationship is important and explaining how you yourself cultivate that, not only for your students, but, but for yourself. Uh, and it sounds like a couple of your colleagues are also doing uh, similar things. So we really appreciate you being on the show. I would like to just uh, give a little sneak peek of next episode. So bouncing off of intellectual wellness, we will be headed to physical wellness, where we will have a fitness manor, manager and personal trainer, Heather Moneymaker. Um, we do encourage everyone to go check out our website, plus our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And once again, Brian, I'd really like to thank you for joining me on here. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to meet you. I thoroughly enjoyed this and I look forward to hearing this and the other episodes within the podcast. Well, I think I definitely need to get out and, uh, Read, read some more material, make sure I'm uh, brushing up on my own intellectual wellness and make sure you join us next week for intellectual. Hang on. We'll edit that part out, but that made it to the very last end. Uh, join us next week where we will be looking at uh, physical wellness and join us for more positive vibes from the Valley. I'm your host, Ryan. Thanks. <laughs>